Welcome to another episode of the Finance and Property Survival Guide. My name is Damien. I'm a 24-year-old based in Richmond, uh, Australia. Uh, the episode you're about to listen to is one of the weekly segments we do called Finance and Property News with Money Saver Home Loans. Money Saver Home Loans is a mortgage brokerage. I think that's the correct terminology. I'm not exactly sure. I may have just made a word up. Uh, I work at Money Saver Home Loans alongside my father. Uh, so me and my dad get together once a week and we talk about the latest news in the financial and property space uh, and break it down for the layman. Uh, I still know very little about the financial world and I'm starting to learn as much as I can. And this weekly episode is a way for me and anyone else listening to learn about it from a person like my dad. My dad had been in the taxation department for 30 odd years and has been in the mortgage brokerage industry for five to six. So he's very well versed in financial topics and is very good at explaining them to the layman, to people that might not find a lot of this stuff easy to understand. So we try and break it down to the the smallest and simplest details we can for you guys, uh, the listeners. Uh, Today on the show, we talked about NAB. Uh, one of the big four banks and how they're looking to buy out some of the uh, loan business from a bank looking to exit Australia. We also talked about tenancy rights in New South Wales and a recent report from the tenancy union that covered it uh, and some of the complaints that young renters have in in the space today. If you enjoy what we do, please share it around to anyone you think might find it informative. And without further ado, enjoy the episode. Okay, um, first bit of news sort of ties into what we've talked about. Um, I've been covering it a little bit with Simon Presley on an interview, talked about it with Amy McMahon from uh, the Greens party as well uh, about tenancy rights. So the Tenants Union of New South Wales produced a report and a survey about the discrimination against young people in the rental market. Um, They sort of talked about the the struggles that renters might face, face right now, maybe about how hard it might be for a lot of young people to build up a little bit of wealth right now, how hard it might be to save, uh, higher unemployment rates, cuts to assistant programs like JobKeeper and JobSeeker. So from the survey, 84% consider the cost of rentals as the biggest housing issue they face and housing prices prices are the second biggest issue at 72%. Um, They were talking a lot about some of the respondents were worried about the issues around blacklisting and how tenants... um, there's not a lot of rights available for tenants uh, to sort of defend themselves if they're blacklisted by um, real estate agents. Um, Some of the suggestions from the survey talk about uh, the ability for uh, tenants to be able to blacklist landlords because some people have some pretty shit treatment from landlords. Um, And again, if anyone wants to listen to sort of two sides of the coin, go back and listen to the Simon Presley and Amy McMahon interviews. It's quite interesting to learn about the, I guess, like from both sides of that, that uh, argument, I just wondered any thoughts you had on it. Yeah, look, I think it is interesting at the moment that um, we're sort of at a point in time where of course, not many, you know, there's more people staying in Australia rather than traveling. Yeah. Um, that um, and we have such a shortage of rental properties in a lot of the areas where people want to rent that the um, the, ba- the the balance of power, for want of a better term, is definitely in a lot of markets in the landlord's favour. Um, I can see both sides of the story. Um, we've had some clients recently who um, 
you know, we're, we're getting pre-approved so they can buy or build a house. And um, they were given notice to vacate their premises because the owner is looking to sell it. And because there's not a lot of rentals around where they live, they quickly got into a rental and they've been there a week and a half and absolutely hate it because um, the previous tenants um, behind the hedge where no one could see until they got there uh, left 12 bags of rubbish. So <clears throat> the, um, the agent and the uh, landlord are refusing to remove it because they said it wasn't there when they did the, the inspection. And um, yeah, there was no telephone line and there's different things that don't work and all that sort of thing. So yeah. we're sort of, at the, it's, yeah, you get some landlords are assholes, some, em, some employers are assholes. Um, you know, if you're in a job and your boss isn't that, that crash hot, you can, you know, you can try and get a job somewhere else. But if you're in a lease, you, it, it can sometimes be a bit difficult. So yeah, it is a difficult situation. Um, I'm sort of probably on the Simon Presley side that the, the issue we've got is a chronic undersupply of rentals yeah. and a lot of that has been caused by stupidity of government policy. Right. So, yeah, yeah I, we had I, APRA. We yeah. Had, yeah, we had, yeah, that, and that's, that's why landlords hold the balance of power at the moment. But, mm. yeah, it probably would be worthwhile yeah, I always find it interesting that when when people apply for a home loan, um, one of the first things we do is we get a credit check and it gives us a history of that person's history with credit. Um, why there's not a similar thing to, uh, you know, for potential tenants to look at for landlords? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a great thing. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Mm -hmm. I also yeah. think it'd be a great thing for have a relationship app so that, you know, if you meet someone, you can see whether they've got AVOs or whether they're a stalker or they've been charged criminally or they're a nutter. Um, you know, look at previous ratings. Not that many people give previous good ratings. To I don't, know, partners, I don't but, like where you're going with this. Let's leave that one. But no, I just, I just think the, <laughs> land, I think the landlord, I think the, um, you know, the thing in that survey that, you, that said one respondent wanted a blacklist um, for real estate agents and landlords, just the way renters can be blacklisted. Um, I think that that's not a bad suggestion. For sure. And and again, like something Simon said that I sort of probably uh, prescribe to more than parts of the Amy McMahon argument is that mm -hmm. if landlords are shitty, um, hopefully the market can dictate and decide a little bit more how those landlords can get tenants down the line, you know, like hopefully yeah. Yeah. a tenant might have a bad experience and make sure that other tenants know, like if there's a way for other tenants to understand, like this landlord will not treat you well, he won't repair things when you ask him to stuff mm. like that. If you have a bad experience, hopefully it can sort of make it around the water well, you know, but it, yeah. Unless there's a yeah. way to do that, I don't really know how to solve the issue. But that's interesting. I never thought about that, that there's some sort of credit history alternative. I, I guess, yeah, like sort of like a history of interactions with other tenants that, that applying yeah. tenants can see to, to make a more informed decision about where they rent. That's oh. an interesting point. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, something you talk about with the paper tigers analogy with regulation uh, in terms yep. of uh, ING 
and NAB were two of the bigger banks that were looking to buy the Citibank's Australia and New Zealand banking business. Um, ING have now dropped out of that race um, and NAB looks like the likely front runner to acquire all of their operations in Australia and New Zealand. That includes $4.1 billion in Aussie residential mortgages. Um, yeah. They, they sort of spoke that the Citibank spokeswoman spoke to the Sydney Morning Herald, said that any deal that they want to complete would be subject to regulatory approvals. Um, and it's sort of likely to attract the attention of the ACCC, which is the Australian, uh, you might have to chime in here. Uh, consumer and competition. Commission or something. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, com the, the, com they, the competition regulator. Yeah, okay. And so City Citibank has about 1.8 million customers and a market share of 12%. So they're actually the most popular bank with the best, uh, the largest operator that aren't one of the big four. So if NAB, which is one mm -hmm. of the big four banks, acquire Citibank, they're just going to acquire the next best bank that's not a big four. Mm. Um, I just wondered what your thoughts might be on this one. Yeah, I think it's just showing... Um... Yeah, that within within yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of mortgage providers in the market, and yeah, at various times some of them just either it, it sort of makes sense for them to either leave the market or consolidate with others. Mm. So recently we had um, ME Bank, I think, got bought by Bank of Queensland from memory, um, and yeah, it's just yeah. Um, AMP selling its wealth division, yeah, just at very, yeah, diff differing times, um, yeah, different players come, yeah. Citibank is pretty big overseas. So, whereas they might be the fifth biggest in Australia, mm. yeah, they might have made the strategic decision that you know, Australia is not really a market for them because being the fifth biggest, um, yeah, there's probably a, there'd be a fair gap between number four and number five. Um, yeah, between the big four and the next one down, um, yeah, there's a fair gap. So they've probably just decided, look, yeah, we're, we're not going to get the growth here that we need. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of support by the government for the big four banks with the term funding facility. So um, I think some of the banks are probably just, yeah, there'll, there'll be a lot more of this happening, I think. Um, but the ACCC is the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission. Okay. Okay. So just they're quickly. basically yeah. the competition, basically the competition regulator. So any sort of big deals like this, the ACCC will need to um, to look over just to make sure it's not sort of um, to make sure it's in the public interest. For sure. I wonder. Um, I'm expecting them to approve it, but that's not because. Mm -hmm. They, I, 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 I'm actually gonna. I would love to try and get in the ear and like speak to some people at the ACCC to understand how they work. Um, I think in the '90s, I was learning about this recently. In the '90s, I think Paul Keating was the PM that passed the law that restricted any of the big four banks from ever getting together with one another because they never wanted to enable a monopoly uh, yeah. of the market. I guess um, so. I feel like NAB acquiring some of the smaller lenders and acquiring more market share is is sort of like a roundabout way of doing that. Like they're not getting together yeah. with ComBank, they're not getting back getting with Westpac, but they're just acquiring more of the little guys 
which is mm-hmm. still just going to grow their total market share. So I don't really get yeah. whether that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, they they recently bought the, the FinTech 86400, the lender. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's probably just, yeah, eventually, as I said, there are lots and lots of banks around and eventually, yeah, some get bought by, by other ones. Um, yeah, for a bank like Citibank, the fifth biggest, yeah, it's yeah ING. I think I thought ING was the fifth biggest, but it must be they must be like yeah you know, just under Citibank. But yeah, um, yeah, they're pulled out as you said. Yeah, okay. Um, next thing we're going to cover there's a there's a guy who's pretty frequent on some podcasts that I try to listen to, uh, Lachlan Vidler. He's a buyer's agent from a place called Atlas Property Group, and he had mm-hmm. a interesting. I guess, mindset that he wants people to think about with investing. And I thought it was sort of something we could talk about here. So um, he, I think he recently, he previously served in the Navy um, Mm -hmm. and spoke about how people need to uh, think about property investing with the same principles that a lot of people get from the military, um, that it Mm -hmm. requires discipline, it requires dedication and the courage to be successful, but it also begins... um, investing for most people in his eyes should be the long game it's um yeah you start investing with the with the knowledge that the success and the benefits you'll be able to reap from investing won't happen for years you're not trying to make quick money now unless you want to be a day trader and i if you want to do that, go for your life. But most people won't become successful day traders by betting on quick money. Um, so if you're mm-hmm. investing, it requires a lot of discipline because you have to understand that you're putting this money away and you don't want to touch it for as long as possible. You want to hold it. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was pretty interesting. So um, yeah, yeah. Sort of it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's it's the old sort of Warren Buffett analogy, you know, that it's about time and it's about compound interest. Um, and you know, the old thing about the the biggest tree, you know, was once a little seed that someone picked, uh, that someone planted or was dropped there. Sure. So, yeah, a lot of when we've got, uh, when there's a strong seller's market and a real fear of missing out, um, yeah, people can get sucked in by the get rich quick people who, you know, come in and tell you about how you can, yeah, yeah, that, super's not going to be enough and you know you're going to be eating baked beans um when you're retired and um you know the only way you can look after yourself is by an investment property that they just happen to have so it's about um kate bakos did a a podcast um like one of her little one minute videos on it about sticking to your strategy so you know that's that's the thing you need to do um we we got we've got quite a few people that are um especially first home buyers that are pre-approved at the moment and whenever they're going you know whenever they send us a link to a property my first question to them is um you know what what's the maximum you want to pay for this property so that before you start you've worked out where your get out point is and you know there was one one property in newcastle yesterday it was listed four hundred to four hundred and forty thousand how the agent can get away with that i'll never know um, two bedroom you say 400 unit, two, to 480 400 to 440 okay and one of our one of our clients missed out having offered 511,000 
So they offered 71 grand above the top of the guide and missed out. So yeah. that's just what's happening at the moment. So you've got to be, as, as Lachlan said, you've got to be disciplined. Um, you've got to stick to your strategy. Um, so get, get your strategy, work out what you want. Um, Cause if you don't, you'll just, you'll probably end up just taking anything. Yeah. You, know, you may end up regretting. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, Second last thing we we're going to cover was conveyances. So um, anybody that's looking to buy a home, um, it's probably helpful to understand what a conveyancer is. So we're going to cover it more in detail mm -hmm. at a later date, but I thought we might just start here if you want to give people a basic idea um, in layman's terms what a conveyancer is and their role in buying or selling a property. Yeah, so what the conveyancer is a pretty critical member of your team. Um, what they do is they look over the contract um, because, you know, if you're buying a property, you're signing a contract. So that, yeah, they, they look over that contract to just make sure everything's in order, that all the things that all the inclusions to the property are specified. Um, you know, quite often people will go into a house, you know, move into a house and, you know, the dishwasher's missing or, you know, there's, there's different, you know, the, the back shed might be missing. They go, well, where's the shed? Well, it wasn't in the inclusions or the clothesline or those sorts of things. So the conveyancer just makes sure that, you know, that um, they do the title searches just to make sure that, um, you know, the person who has, um, who's selling the property actually has the right to sell that property, that there's not other mortgages on the title, not other caveats on the title. If, you know, if the seller is a business person who has borrowed funds using, um, using the, uh, their house to security, um, do they, can they actually sell the property if it's got another mortgage attached to it? We've had instances where, um, sellers had to delay the sale of a property to our clients because they'd gone guarantor for a, a child, um, a security guarantor. So that guarantee had to be released. Mm -hmm. So the conveyances will look at you know, any easements. Is there any sewer lines running near the property which might impact your use? Do other people have rights? You know, is there shared right. driveways? Um, have any renovations been done and are they council approved? If you buy a property um, with unimproved, un, unapproved council um, uh, renovations, you may end up being responsible for them down the track if council come around and say, hey, that back deck is illegal, it's got to be pulled down. Mm. So um, you probably don't, you don't want to be making unconditional offers on property without having a conveyance to have a look at it. So if you're going to auction, always get your conveyance to look at a contract before you go. And if you're buying just in the normal run of the mill event, you know, if you're not buying at auction, when you make your offer, um, it's normally subject to um, finance valuation and pest and build. And during that time, the conveyancer will look through the contract just to make sure everything's um, above board. Okay. So it's just helping cover your base. And then, and then, yeah, and then what they do is the conveyancer works with the bank's solicitors and the vendors, the seller's solicitors to make sure all the money goes where it should. Okay. Yeah, okay, right. Um, 
last thing we're going to cover is the rental markets again um, with the vacancy rate. So the national vacancy rate, which is, I guess, the average. Um, and keep in mind, this figure doesn't really tell the full story because there are parts, there are mo most parts of the country have a vacancy rate under one. This is not, a, that's not a good, like a healthy rental market. That's not like, it's not helpful. Um, it's it's mind, healthy if you're a landlord. Yes. Yes. Because it means more yep. people are trying to rent than they are not. So, um, but yep. yeah, so the national vacancy rate fell to 1.7% over the month of June. This is the lowest average vacancy rate nationally since 2011. Declines in the rate uh, happened mostly in Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide and Hobart. Uh, Melbourne posted the biggest decline in vacancy rates during the month from 3.7 to 3.5. Um, so they've they've obviously suffered a 0.2% drop, but 3.5 is still not a good, that's too high. Um, from, from the way I've been explained, 2 to 3% as a vacancy rate for a city is a healthy rental market so, where there's yeah. enough, it's good, good there's enough supply, there's supply enough demand. demand. Yeah. Yep. Um, the lowest vacancy rates were uh, in Hobart and Darwin. Uh, they had a vacancy rate at point zero point four percent, which is not not good. That's not good for landlords. It's great for everyone else trying to rent mm. a place. It's terrible. Um, there's not yep. enough apart. There's not enough places to rent. So I just wondered what your thoughts were on on those stats. Yeah, look, I think I think it just shows if you're an investor, um, you know why some markets are better to buy a property in than others because um, there's such strong demand for property. But I suppose it also shows that if you want to take the long-term view that eventually we'll all be vaccinated and the world will be vaccinated, Australia will be seen as a safe haven and a place where people want to come and live. Um, and traditionally, um, yeah, they don't get to Tullamarine or Sydney Airport and say, oh, let's go to an auction and buy a place, they normally rent, yeah. that you know, eventually the vacancy rates will drop in Sydney and Melbourne, and they have dropped a bit from, say, six months ago, that, you know, they're, they're, there's probably some good uh, property to be bought around Sydney and Melbourne. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's tough at the moment. There's, um, you know, with so many more people looking for property and vacancy rates so low, it's... Um, yeah, yeah. People are people a bit like people having to pay above a list price for a property. Sometimes you've got to pay above um, the the asking rent to secure a property. For sure. Um, was there anything else you wanted to cover before you got out of here on this? Yeah, one? just a, a couple of things. There keeps being chatter from different economists um, that the Reserve Bank is going to raise interest rates before twenty twenty four, which is what their current established position is. Um, the governor of the Reserve Bank has reiterated a couple of times since they the board met two weeks ago to just say, look, we're not going to raise rates till mid-2024. Now, the two reasons is because inflation, because of inflation and unemployment. So the way I look at it is um, the more people that are employed, the more people that pay tax, and the more people that pay tax, the more money the government has to pay down pandemic debts, mm. plus also fund you know, emergency support for um, you know, times like we've got now when there's a you know, lockdown in Sydney, lockdown in Melbourne, parts of Brizzy locked down, um, you know, parts of other states locked down. So 
you know, if if I can't, I can't see the Reserve Bank raising interest rates, you know, they've been pretty pretty solid on that. But that doesn't mean that banks are not going to raise interest rates. Um, we've seen recently some of the four-year fixed rates and the three-year fixed rates and even some of the two-year fixed rates starting to go up. But they're still his, historically or even hysterically low. Um, during the week, one of the one or two banks, two non-banks, so banks you've probably never heard of, both reduced their variable interest rates to 2.29%. So, you know, most people are on mid to high 2% variable rate with a lender. There's lenders out there that will do 2.29%. So, and you can still get fixed rates under 2%. So it's still a pretty good um, time to be borrowing. Um, and um, yeah, we can help you with that. Um, the other thing that was interesting, um, just trying to find it, um, it, was a, it was a Warren Buffett quote I, re I read, which I thought was quite interesting. And he said, wealth, wealth is the transfer of uh, money from the um, impatient to the patient. Mm. And it ties in with what you were saying before with, uh, with uh, Lachlan Weidler um, and his, his thought. And I was listening to a Michael Yardney podcast and he was talking about this as well, about how most people make money in property over 10, 20, 30 years. Mm, it's so a long, it's a if long you're game. looking, it's a long game. So if you're looking to invest, um, yeah, you, you, you can do it yourself and you might get it right. But, um, yeah, you're probably better off for an investment um, engaging the service of, services of someone who can firstly help you find the right area to buy in. And then also, if you need it, actually buy the for you. So we've got a couple of clients who've recently bought interstate. So a guy from a client of ours from Melbourne who's bought in Queensland, a, co a client from Sydney who's bought in Perth. Um, so yeah, you, you, you can look out outside of where you where you're. And you know, the, these properties are uh, one was two hundred eighty grand and one was three hundred. So you don't need to be buying. Yeah, you know, a $700,000 investment property, you can get in there for a lot less than that. And if you're renting, you know, rent vesting is something you can consider as well to sort for of sure. get your foot in the market. Yeah, for sure. And maybe the last thing we'll say, I thought this, I sent this to you earlier in the week. Um, speaking of economists, uh, I got a quote from a show I watched that said, uh, uh, economic forecasting is basically astrology for adults. Um, yeah. and I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. So I thought I'd add that. Yeah, in. no, that's, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's plenty, plenty of, um, plenty of good economist jokes running around. That's for sure. Yeah, for but, sure. hundred um, percent. That's probably something we can do, do it another time, but, um, yeah. So the, yeah, we, we've sort of talked about, um, you know, where you can get help from. Um, our newsletter is coming out on Tuesday and there's a couple of good articles in there from yeah. um, one from Simon Presley on um, propertyology and um, about some, you know, a couple that's bought a couple of properties in different 
uh, different parts of the country to sort of you know spread their risk and um, yeah. tap into growth markets. And the other one is um, from John Linderman about timing the market or time in the market. So yeah, have a look at those if you get a chance and um, you can go, if there's a couple of quiz questions, which if you get your answers to demo by the, um, by the, the date, um, we can, uh, yeah, you might win a $50 wish, which is pretty cool. Easy. I just want to add to that. <laughs> there's a, a yeah. bit of dating advice I once got was if you ever, if they ever ask you for your star sign, run. <laughs> yeah. No, fantastic. Yeah. There was one I was just, just flicking through to look. I was just looking um, through for some economist jokes. And as one of them is, um, how many conservative economists does it take to change a light bulb? Yeah. Uh, none, because if the government would just leave it alone, it would screw itself in. So, um, Beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's um, um, that's all cool. So, yeah, if you need if you need help, um, we you know we can uh, chat to you about what's the best option for you, and whether we can help you help you do that. Um, a couple of times this month, we've helped people by referring them to where they're going to get um, better help than what we can give due to varying you know, their particular situation um, or the lender that you know, was best for them. So um, we'll always look after the best interests of people. Um, and um, yeah, so here to help if you need it. Beautiful. And um, if anybody is on Instagram, we've started an Instagram page. If you want to give that a follow, it's F and P survival guide on Insta, all no caps, nothing. All lowercase. If anyone wants to follow that, you can sort of keep up to date with what we're, what we're up to with the podcast, or um, we'll probably share some money saving tips and things of that nature on there too. So um, yeah, moneysaverhomeloans.com.au if you want to get in contact and uh, yeah, that's it, right? Yeah. Or, or search um, money saver home loans on Facebook. And um, yeah, beautiful.